From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Well, yes, Mr. Robert, thank you very much. It's me, Mike. This is Mike Davidson Lives. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for hanging out as uh, we talk it up for about half an hour. We do this twice a week. And uh, another half week, a very busy half week, has uh, unfolded before us. I try to get to as much of it as, as possible here in just a few moments. Uh, real quick, though, I saw this just before coming up the stairs, breaking news. Uh, R.I.P. Burt Young, very uh, very well-known character actor at the age of 82, best known as Paulie from the uh, Rocky franchise. Uh, here's what's sad about it. He, he passed away October 8th, and as of this recording, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing this on the 19th. That was like 11 days ago, and it was just officially confirmed today by my family members. Um, but that's... At, I don't know. I, I I get that there's privacy. And you want like a day or two to kind of uh, go by and everything, but it just kind of shows you uh, how fickle that town can really be, Hollywood. Because I mean, you know, Burt Young was in quite a few few movies and television shows just outside of um, uh, Rocky, and he's just one of those "Hey, I know that guy" kind of guys. And you think that uh, that would, uh, yeah, you think that would hit a little sooner, but it just didn't. But uh, thoughts, prayers, and condolences to uh, the Burt Young family. Dead at the age of 82, uh, of course, as I mentioned, known for Rocky. Uh, for your Sylvester Stallone fans, saw this too. A uh, new documentary on Netflix, Sly, drops uh, November 3rd. Be nice to watch to distract us from the uh, impending collapse of Western civilization. Uh, more on that in a little bit here. Um, you know, I, I have been distracting myself with some things. Um, it, it is October. The spooky month, Halloween, uh, just about uh, a little under two weeks away now, uh, and I just got done reading "I Am Legend," and basically it's it's the story "I Am Legend" and some other short stories written by Richard Matheson, and uh, some pretty good stuff in there. Um, the best way to describe the dude was he's kind of a a bridge between some of the more tense sci-fi stories that Ray Bradbury wrote. Back in the day, and uh, to the object full-on horror that Stephen King is known for. Um, but, uh, you know, some good stuff in this little book that I read, but uh, there's a short story called Madhouse. This thing kind of hit home a little bit for me, especially thinking back two years ago uh, when I was going through a pretty big rough patch. But basically, the uh, the premise of the story is about this uh, college professor, this uh, this would-be writer, whose marriage has fallen apart, um, and he's uh, nowhere satisfied with his professional life. He can't write anything. He's always mad. He's always angry. He's blaming everybody but himself for things. Uh, and that's not to say that uh, things happen that aren't your fault, but uh, he, he basically blaming his wife, his job, everything for the reason why he doesn't write, which is kind of a bullshit um, excuse. Now, I, I wouldn't say that I was, uh, but basically, you know, his temper gets the best of him, and the house kind of absorbs his temper a little bit. There, there is kind of a supernatural thing to this, because it is a horror story. Uh, but it kind of hit home, not necessarily because I ever blamed my wife for some of the things that happened to me a couple of years ago, far from it. 
Uh, and I, I, I told her this the other day, you know, if it wasn't for her and the kids, you know, I would have had a hard time moving on uh, from the career fallout that I did a couple years ago. Uh, but, but like, just he was so, always angry, always swearing, always cursing. And I guess kind of the, uh, the, the takeaway from this story is that even if you're by yourself and you're like, you know, swearing at the world and swearing at that stupid pencil that broke, that stupid whatever, uh, it becomes kind of commonplace that you're just blaming something else other than you for like hitting your shin against something, right? Um, I guess where, where it kind of hits home for me, not, and again, like I said, I never lost my temper with, I never blamed my wife for anything I never hurt her or physically or mentally but I'm sure there were days where I was really dragging on her because I was having a pity party um I, what, what hit home was the one day he was talking about how this guy didn't used to drink coffee and then now he's now he's in his 40s <laughs> 43 um and uh he's got like gallons of coffee in his stomach every day he's smoking cigarettes every day don't smoke but uh, I've had to recently cut back on my coffee intake because it does make you a little intense, but it's it's a good story. Uh, again, Madhouse by Richard Matheson. If you come across that in a compilation, be sure to give that a read. Distract you again from the uh, the failure of Western civilization. Rate my flush. I think that's what the the name of the the segment my wife wants me to do, where I uh, go around <laughs> toilets uh, in places that I stop off at, and, and uh, you know I, I thought about it. okay, so like. Last weekend, when we were getting back from uh, the the uh, the little fall break, get away with the kids, we stopped off in Greenfield, Indiana, just a little north of town, Speedway, go in, use the bathroom. I got to, you know, do both functions. I you know, sit down, stand up. Uh, stand, sit down, taking care of that. It takes a few flushes to get things done. Down, not necessarily because uh, I ate like a pound of cheese or anything like that. No, it wasn't that bad. It was just it was one of those um, environmental flush toilets where like they use half the water, and so therefore you flush more, and it kind of defeats the purpose of using you know half flush toilets. And then I went to the urinal to take care of things, and it's basically like a trough like a fancy trough not like you know in field of the indianapolis motor speedway bad but there's no water in it okay it just goes straight down into a pipe so after that little horror show i go over to the sink thinking will i get any water out and lo and behold niagara falls comes out of the faucet to wash my hands all the effort to uh cut back on water wasted uh, in in this bathroom and here I go to a sink, and it just deluges me with water. Uh, great planning there, guys. But yeah, rate right my flush. Greenfield, Indiana. Avoid using the bathroom at the Speedway just north of town, north of 70. All right. That that, that should help you with your travels. Some football stuff. <laughs> Boy, was that an awkward seg. Uh, Caleb Williams, fresh off of his ass uh, getting kicked by Notre Dame. And by the way, so... You know how, like, he'll paint his fingernails to troll people? Uh, I guess when he was leaving the field up there at Notre Dame Stadium Saturday night, uh, what obnoxious Irish fan. 
uh, ran up to him with the camera phone going, hey, man, let's see those fingernails. And, of course, Caleb was not having any of it and was kind of moping away. Uh, well done to the Notre Dame fan. Uh, but, but Caleb Williams, because he knows he's going to be a top pick uh, when he goes pro, he wants to. He wants his deal, his deal apparently, when he does sign that big rookie contract to include an ownership stake in an NFL franchise, the, the, the team that drafts him. And I'm thinking, how in the hell would you be able to do that contractually? Uh, because, look, if it if the guy's an active player, it's not like you know Tom Brady buying uh, a little stake in the Raiders after retirement, right? It's not like that. If you're an active player and you've got an ownership stake in a team, uh, and it could be a small one, how do you how do you bench a guy if he's having a, a, a shit streak? If he's just not catching on? If he's just not gelling with the team? And if they have to trade him or cut him, does that mean he has to uh, surrender? An ownership stake. This is kind of brazen, really. Uh, if he if he did this after playing, if he, retiring, I don't think anybody would give a shit. But the fact that he, uh, this is apparently what he wants, I don't know how he could pull it off. But then again, you got college players with these nil uh, nil uh, agreements and uh, thinking that they're already world beaters before getting drafted. It's no wonder the dude's thinking this. And it's only a matter of time before that happens. And by the way, uh, I saw in passing Patrick Mahomes wants to own a little bit of a football team in in the future. I don't think now, but I think one day he would like to. And I mean, he's got uh, he's got two Lombardies, uh, so I don't think him uh, getting the capital together to do that is going to be a problem, an issue. Right? That dude is never going to buy a meal in Kansas City for the rest of his life. Uh, so I'll see how that shakes out there for Caleb. By the way, uh, the, the uh, Summer Games 2028 in Los Angeles. Again, if Western Civilization is still around, uh, it'll be interesting if we can get to the 2024 games in Paris. But uh, they're doing it again in Los Angeles 2028, and they have a whole list of uh, uh, sports. And flag football will be a thing. Not sure how they're going to pull this off. Um because nobody outside the United States and Canada really give this uh, a crap about the gridiron, and I don't know what rules they would use because, you know, with the United States and Canada, they have different rules and different field lengths and all that fun stuff. So I don't know how that's going to play out, but uh, I do know that there's a good chance uh, that there might be more contact in flag football in 2028 than in the NFL, the way things keep going. <laughs> but it's not even a real sp- Sport and they're making like non-real sports sports in the summer games. I mean, you're just waiting for like pickleball to be a thing or um, what else? Uh, frisbee golf, disc golf, whatever the hell you want to call it. Yeah, flag football is now a summer game thing. Uh, and kind of wrapping up this go around with football. Dolly Parton Thanksgiving will be in your living room. Uh, when Dallas hosts Washington for their Thanksgiving game and uh, that halftime show. I'm sure it'll be fun. I'm sure it'll be cool. I, you know, it might be one of those things because she's an older artist that they uh, incorporate a couple of young artists here and there, and she duets with them, and they could be like, "Oh, look!" and then, you know, they, that becomes an all viral thing. Um, but how are you going to top that Creed halftime show that Dallas had 
decades ago where you know they interrupted Jerry Jones uh, Salvation Army check giving moment and then they had that crazy guy with the flag yeah and that's the other thing too is like there's some uh, sports teams listening to Creed at halftime getting jacked up getting getting uh, excited pumped why wouldn't Creed make a big comeback have them come back you know what have Dolly and Scott Stapp do a duet have them sing higher and bring back crazy bald flag guy. Have him fly in. That, that dude. That would just that would rule Thanksgiving. That would more people will be talking about that at your dinner table than politics or the you know the fall of Western civilization. Alexander Payne, pretty good director. He's had some hits. He's had some successes. Uh, let's see. Uh, you know, Sideways. Loved that movie. There was Election. Um, I think it was the Descendants. I wasn't really crazy about the Descendants, but I, you know, overall, Payne's had a pretty good record, uh, and I think he's getting some stuff right in a recent interview because, uh, you know, as much as I love Scorsese, he can't let go of superhero movies. To, and I've said this before, uh, with uh, uh, superhero movies, they aren't the cause of Hollywood's problems; they are a symptom of Hollywood's problems. People go to them because uh, it, it fills a void. Something, some expectations not being met, and there's a lot of creative types not understanding that. Alexander Payne was kind of talking about the old school um, epic dramas like Out of Africa and uh, English Patient. And as much as I'm not a fan of the English Patient, he talks about how, like, okay, yeah, there are studios that don't want to do this. There are, you know, investors that you know don't want to do this. But where are the writers and directors pushing for this stuff? Where are the creative types? pushing to do more films like that again and he's absolutely right at least with one genre where, where are these artists uh pushing for stuff that could be bigger in scope and still somewhat kind of sort of mainstream not you know necessarily what south park would term you know two gay cowboys eating pudding not not necessarily that movie but where is that big friggin dramatic movie like Lawrence of Arabia that was well done back in the day uh, but it's missing Alexander Payne gets it right kudos to him Netflix by the way I just uh, kind of gave Sylvester Stallone a free plug for his upcoming documentary on Netflix uh, uh, November 3rd uh, expect price hikes for them yeah I, I guess with the uh, top premium uh, tier you're going to be uh, paying three bucks more a month um I think we got the mid one without the ads here in the house. Uh, it'll be our our uh, package will go up to twelve bucks. That's a two dollar increase, and the one with the ads will stay the same. But uh, the price increases, and I just saw that uh, Netflix is it's weird because they have actually seen kind of an increase in subscribers, but overall, when it comes to subscription platforms like your your Hulu's, your Amazon Primes, your whatever. Uh, there's been an overall decrease. Broadcast television viewing has gone up. I need to I need to find this and uh, link it up here uh, over the weekend. But uh, yeah, it's it's a lot cheaper to get an over the air uh, antenna, catch a football game, than to you know subscribe to six or seven different platforms and you're only watching two or three shows. Makes total sense. Seinfeld is on Netflix, by the way. That would be a reason for you to, you know, keep that on. And Jerry, last week, uh, alluded to something is coming up. Stay tuned. And it seemed like they were going to do a do-over um, with the uh, Seinfeld finale from 98, which sucked. That's That's been the rumor. Uh, 
Uh, but there hasn't been much traction about it. Julie Louis, Louis yeah, Elaine, Julia Louis Dreyfus, uh, she is in the dark about it. She goes, I have no idea what the hell he's talking about. So she has not been clued in yet about it. Whatever Jerry is talking about, either this is a small operation and he isn't uh, talked to any of his former castmates about it, or uh, it's in the planning stages, it's in the it's in the wing. It's not necessarily being made. And I don't know if they can really do much anyway because uh, the, the actor strike is still going on. I forgot about that. The, the Yeah, the writer strike ended. And we're like, okay, everybody's writing stuff again. But it's like, who's, who's going to be performing all this crap? No one knows. Speaking of writing, uh, Britney Spears had some ghostwriters put out a, a new memoir of hers. And... Uh, do, do you really think uh, uh, a gal that's dancing around with fake knives on social media has time to sit down and write a book? You talk about Madhouse and uh, someone who's having trouble writing, that would be Britney Spears. So somebody had to sit down and talk to her about this. And I'm sure, okay, uh, she gets credit for it, but the gro ghostwriters put it all together. Shock revelation, um, apparently when her and Justin Timberlake were together, she got pregnant and he pushed for her to have an abortion and she apparently did this according to her now I'm certain some people have reached out to the, to the Timberlake campaign and they kind of gave the generic well you know we're I'm, uh, me and my wife currently are trying to grow with our family you know he's I think he's got like two sons or something uh, and all that stuff. So he really didn't return any yes or no. Didn't affirm this. Uh, I'm not really going to uh, give my two cents back. Because I don't know the situation other than this. That's what Britney Spears is saying. Let's just say for a minute it's true. It's, okay. Yeah, because in the book she's talking about how they were just too young to have kids. Yeah, at the time. I mean, you think about if, if you're a parent. And uh, the first time you become a parent, uh, how stressful that is. Because you and your spouse have no idea what the hell you're doing. I mean, you think back to what your parents did, but then uh, a lot of the stuff that they did when you were a baby, you don't remember because you were a baby. It just makes sense. Um, but one of the big things you struggle with as a parent is the finances. Okay, you got you to pay for the, the mortgage, the rent, the bills, uh, the medical expenses, the diapers, the diapers, the diapers, the food, the diapers. Brittany and Justin Timberlake, you know, at the height of their powers, you know, her being a solo superstar, uh, uh, T-Lake, still with NSYNC, they, they were a little more well-off than your typical first-time parents. I don't know if I really buy into we were too young at the time. Um, but again, this is if what she is saying is true, because uh, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I don't know if Britney Spears is the most reliable person at the moment for uh, an accurate assessment of reality. But if it is also true, it could also explain a lot of the reason, just part of the reason uh, some sort of reason as to why she is the way she is, because that would be a tremendous burden for her to uh, contend with. And I'm sure if it's true that that was weighing on her mind somewhat when she went berserk publicly years back and shaved her head, 
you know, you have these expectations and now you've just got people watching you and gawking at you and you don't know what else to do. And it kind of explains what she's uh, up to now. But that's a big bombshell. Um, but again, I, I don't know how true that is. It just, if it is true, it explains a lot. Uh, one pop star who's very lucky is Taylor Swift. I mean, yes, I know she's talented and she works hard for her money. I'm not saying that, but uh, apparently she's got good people around her. Erin Swissa, and if I'm uh, mispronouncing the dude's name, I apologize. Uh, security guard of hers. Well, former security guard of hers because uh, I believe he is Jewish, Israeli. Um, and after all the crap that happened about a week and a half ago in Israel in the southern part of that country with uh, Hamas... He's going home. He's going home to rejoin the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces. And this is a guy who's getting paid very well to be the security guard for Taylor Swift. Because, I mean, if you're a really, you know, security guard for a top-tier pop star like that, yeah, you kind of have to be well-paid. You have to be pretty good at what you do. Um, but he just says, you know, I have a pretty good life here. You know, I've got you know, great job, great house. But, I mean, as anything, I mean, that's your homeland. That's, uh, that's uh, you know, family, friends, tons of fear. I can't blame the dude myself because, you know, when reading some of the, uh, the instances of that attack and the horror, I mean, you're talking about 1,200 people dead. These, these aren't politicians, by the way, for uh, the fist-pumping uh, Palestinian supporters out there. They, these are, you know, men, women, children, elderly, crippled. Um, you know, people from all walks of life, uh, all forms of uh, tax brackets over there, I would say, and uh, they're maimed, they're killed, they're massacred, they're they're tortured, they're raped, they're kidnapped, they're they're everything. So uh, for him to jump into this thing, uh, kudos to him, Godspeed, and hopefully you make it back stateside. Um, yeah, the, the Israel versus Hamas stuff, uh, the media coverage on this thing overall sucks. And if you've been paying attention, uh, last 24 to 48 hours, um, I'm recording this early Thursday morning, uh, Hospital Gate. I don't know what else they call this. This is, it, this is in Palestine. This is in Gaza. Um, and uh, basically, the media went apeshit when uh, a hospital apparently was blown up by Israeli rockets. And at one point, the, the casualties were 1,000 dead. Hospital blew up 1,000 dead. Okay, okay, it's, it's 500 people. 500 people dead, this hospital blew up. Okay, okay, parts of it blew up because uh, you start seeing these, this video footage of doctors and patients still walking around in the hospital after all this. So it's like, okay, well, uh, all right. And then it's just like, okay, what happened was uh, some Hamas idiot uh, launched a missile up in the air. It backfired. It fell back to earth. And it blew up outside the hospital, singeing and burning a lot of cars in the parking lot. The hospital itself sustained broken windows. Two doctors were injured. Uh, there were some deaths outside, but nowhere near 500 casualties. Okay, so when they finally got this all situated, how? by the time it was all situated, it was probably about uh, 12, 18 hours after the fact, the media went around and said that Israel 
killed hundreds, if not thousands, of innocent Palestinians in this hospital with an airstrike. That did not happen. Um, you had congresswomen from the squad tweeting this out to their supporters and not correcting themselves. Uh, one did, but still kept the tweet or the X or whatever the hell they're calling it over at Twitter X now. That's still up. But all this stuff went around. All this stuff around. The New York Times reported the uh, the mass casualty event that did not happen, saying the hospital was destroyed with a picture of a hollowed husk of a building, which, you know, in hindsight, it was clearly not the effing hospital. So they had to have gotten that footage from somewhere or had it on file. But, you know, for artistic license, I guess, they put this picture up. It does not even look like a hospital. It just looks like an old condemned building that blew up and some other attack. This went around the world. You know, we, we keep talking about, you know, misinformation on social media from, you know, your crazy aunt that shares the uh, the vaccine uh, memes on her um, Instagram. I don't know. She's nowhere near the threat our media has been with this stuff. They ran with it and blamed Israel starting out when clearly, in the end, it was Hamas that did this and inflamed a whole bunch of people Flamed more protests, more ire. Yeah, we're we're on the precipice of uh, a Middle Eastern war here. Uh, not to mention that whole thing with Ukraine and Russia. Not to mention that whole thing with China looking over at Taiwan every now and again. Not to mention a whole bunch of other stuff. That's that's kind of why you know sometimes it feels like the end of Western civilization is nigh. But you know they're they're just posting this shit with without any consideration whatsoever about getting the facts and making sure that uh, the stuff they're talking about is real. They just, they they run with it and make things worse. And then Captain Hindsight from South Park says, oh yeah, it turns out it was, uh, it was a bad Hamas rocket. This is why you don't trust reporters at all. Not to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but it's just, yeah. Speaking of conspiracy theories, you know how they uh, tell you to go eat the bugs, uh, cook the bugs, uh, you know, saute the bugs, because they're a big source of protein. And some people are like, well, no, no one, no one's actually saying that. No one's actually believing that. Tyson Foods, uh, you know, they make chicken, they make uh, frozen processed meats. They just bought some uh, bug protein company, and they're wanting to bring one of those companies here stateside, so they can get some uh, bug guts going for you to consume. Yeah, if uh, seriously, if I really don't want to eat meat, I'll just go buy a can of spam. Thank you. Yeah, the the, the bug thing just it's it's not gonna work for me. Okay, um, R. L. Stein is a toolbox. Uh, oh yeah, you the Goosebumps writer. You know they used to have that show on Fox, and then I guess the the movie with Jack Black, and I guess there's gonna be a revival. Of the show last year, uh, they were talking about how they were going to edit some of his books to make them for modern audiences, and he was against that. Now he's singing a different tune, and he's talking about how we don't want to offend people, you know, because people are a little more sensitive today. And some of the stuff that they were uh, talking about is like how the word "attack" in one book was um, changed to "love tap," because that that really does convey. A sense of terror. Oh, the monster reached out and love tapped its victim. 
Um, and then there was one instance where a, a boy was describing a book geared toward girls as girl stuff. Now it's being described as uh, boring stuff. Well, I got news for you. Uh, things that pertain to girls are usually boring to guys. Things that are, you know, uh, basically geared toward guys, boring to gals. Yeah, you know, my wife couldn't be bothered watching a Colts game with me. She asked me the other day, why do you watch a team lose so much? Good question. But, I mean, you know, guys and gals are different. But the thing is, is uh, R.L. Stein is changing his tune because, you know, he wants to get that money from the modern audience. You know, the one that doesn't exist. And uh, this Netflix show will probably, uh, like most revivals on any uh, streaming platform, go the way of the dodo. I, 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 you know, it's one thing to write a book 20 or 30 years ago and you're using terminology that, you know, today may not be in vogue. You just write another book, another story with better language, I guess. If you want. It's your book. You can do whatever the hell you want. But he's going back, and this is why it kind of sucks with authors. Because now they're going to be thinking, well, how is this book going to be perceived 20, 30 years ago? Do I have to keep changing things up, changing things up? You're, you're not going to get a very good story if you keep worrying about what the future generations will think. Especially, you know, if uh, Western civilization falls here in the next uh, few years, I am just a, I am just a balloon of optimism here. Uh, finally, uh, just to scare people, uh, a guy in California has been arrested after he blew up a teddy bear in a parking lot, scared the hell out of this poor woman. It's linked up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. Cops arrested him. He's facing several felony counts, by the way. You know, weapons. Um, I think he had something like a ghost gun, some other things. Oh, and he had meth on him, which is surprising. But uh, he's facing all these charges. I'm just glad that they didn't blame Israel for the uh, the teddy bear exploding. Yet. All right, with that all said and done, uh, maybe I'll be back next week. And until then... Stay fresh, You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlives. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live.